welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Lewis. Really excited to have you back again this week. If you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that every week I bring you guests that are going to challenge you, but make you think in a little bit different way. Think about the way in which you engage with your own child, your children, be able to think about ways in which you can better engage with your kids, but also be the best dad that you can be. I bring you dads and daughters. I bring you sometimes moms. You know, I bring you a lot of different people. But this week, we got another great guest. And I'm not going to just say guests, it's guests, because we have two. So we've got a father and daughter with us today. Gene Rice and Courtney Bogrovich are with us today. We're going to be talking about the journey that they've been on, but also a brand new book that they co-authored together called Glad to Grown Up, 68 Tips to Excel in Your Personal and Professional Life. So we're going to be talking about that as well and be able to gain some context into the things that they've learned along the way. Gene, Courtney, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, thank you, Christopher, for inviting us. Thanks so much. It is my pleasure having you here. I love being able to talk to fathers and daughters about the journey that they've been on. I have two daughters myself, and so not only is this my attempt to help other dads, but it's a it's an attempt to help myself too. So we'll put it out there as such. Gene, I want to turn the I want to start with one thing with you because I love to turn the clock back in time when we start our interviews. So first and foremost, I want to turn that clock way back, all the way back to that first moment, that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? Whew. Well, you know. My oldest daughter, I have four children, Christopher, right? My three oldest are girls, and my son was, was born fourth. And when they told me he was going to be a boy, I remember saying to the doctor, that's, that's got to be a mistake. All we have is girls. But, you know, my oldest daughter, when I think back, I will tell you, it was back in the days. I've been married to the love of my life now for 39 years. Our first child, back in those days, they would let a, a woman go really late. My wife was 29 days late with our first daughter. I don't believe they counted right, by the way, but keep going. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, and it was like, I remember she was in labor for over 24 hours. And it was something where I remember looking at her when, when they finally, my daughter was finally came out. They went in with forceps. I remember looking at my wife. It looked like she fought World War III by herself and saying to her, I don't know if we can go through this again. But then when I held my daughter for the first time, you hear this expression a lot, Christopher, but... Until you have your first child in your arms, I don't think someone can really understand it, right? And the love that you have and the connection you have is just something that is life-changing. It's life-altering. So I guess I hope, I hope that answered your question. It did. You know, one of the things that I hear from a lot of dads, and, and you've had a number of years to be able to father your daughters. So... As you think back to the time that you've had with your daughters, sometimes dads tell me that, especially young, at, at a young age, that it, there's some fear. There's some fear in raising daughters. Some of it that I've heard over the lifespan of this podcast has been, relates a lot to that different life experience and a, an experience that you cannot completely understand. But, but there's other reasons too. What would you say was your biggest fear? And raising daughters. Well, you know, it's funny, Christopher, because my wife and I kid about this, right? We got more instructions 
from our first microwave than we than we ever got on how to be a good parent, right? <laughs> you know, and here's the thing. What is the greatest responsibility a human being's ever given? I think it's becoming a parent, right? And what kind of formal training do we all get? You know, most of us, it's how you were raised, right? And I was one of six, Christopher. There was a lot of dysfunction in my family, you know? So I was scared as heck, you know, with my daughters. I was very blessed. I had a wife and a partner that was amazing. And we read everything and we tried to, we, we did the best we can, but with four kids and they were all similar in age. And I'll just tell you one funny thing that and Courtney laughs about this. You know, here I am in corporate America and I had three girls and a baby son. And I would come home from a long day and I have my suit on. My wife would be waiting for me at the door, handing me the baby. And then my three girls would come running at me, Christopher, come running at me. And finally, I had to sit down with my wife and I said, listen, this is not good quality time for any of us, right? I said, I just need a half an hour, just take my suit off, go to the bathroom. And then what I'd like to do, we'll put him down. And then what I did was my three girls. It was so funny. Each one of them would get 20 minutes of time and they would put the timer on the microwave oven, right? And I would go and they uh, and they knew I would do anything with them, right? So one of them, I was playing Little Ponies for 20 minutes. The time would go off, the next one would run down. I'd be maybe dancing with that one, right? And the funniest, they all wanted to be the last. They wanted to be last because we knew he'd sneak in a couple more minutes. <laughs> the last person could get a couple extra minutes. But then I felt like I had quality time, that 20 minutes. It was one-on-one. When it was one-on-three, Christopher, it wasn't quality time for me, right? So me and my wife had to figure that out. Then we, you know, we'd eat dinner. I'd put him to bed. My wife and I might have a couple of minutes together. But listen, you learn as you go and you love them and, you know, you hope you're doing the right things with them. And I think to go back to your original question, like what was he scared of? And you started to say, I came from dysfunction and so did my mom. And if you read our book, you'll hear a lot about that dysfunction and how he left the baggage behind. But I feel so grateful as his child that they did the intentional work to get therapy and not repeat a lot of these cycles because my parents are the most amazing people. And to know that they were able to break some of these cycles makes me feel so blessed. Yeah, so Christopher, Courtney's alluding, there's a chapter, it's one of the tips in the book. And I think for your young fathers, this was something that helped me become a better father. All of us bring in to a relationship and fatherhood baggage from how we were raised, right? The first thing I had to do was identify what was that baggage. There was a lot of great stuff that came from my family that I wanted to bring forward to the next generation. But there was some baggage and I had to identify what was that baggage and I had to make the decision, this is not something I want to pass on to my daughters, right? And and got my arms around it and embraced it. And Courtney's right. You know, I came from a family with therapy. If you went to therapy, it was like you were crazy, right? My wife kind of <laughs> insisted that I go to therapy and, you know, and, and it helped me because it helped me identify the baggage and it helped me move forward and become a better parent to my daughters and my son. And Courtney, I guess we have to ask you the question of, in that time, that 20 minutes that you would get, what was your go-to activity that you and your dad had to always do? So I was very young at the time. I always liked to do, to do dancing with him. <laughs> she was a dancer. She was a dancer. But as we got older, it wasn't special time anymore. We got a lot more than the 20 minutes. And I always say this about my dad. 
anything I loved became something he loved. So as I got older, this guy would be the furthest thing from a musician, but I played the clarinet. And I it was I was okay. But you would think he loved the clarinet. He would sit there and clap and listen to me. And I was a volleyball player. He was a basketball player, but he learned all you could learn about volleyball. He would spike the ball to me. So honestly, when as we got older, that was such a great gift as well that what our passions were, we thought he loved as well. And I didn't realize until I was older that he just loved it because we loved it. And Krista, that's something I'll share with your audience and, and fellow fathers. I became a better father to my children when, listen, it's okay for a father to expose your interest to your girls. And some of them they're going to embrace. Some of them they're not. I think our responsibility is any positive interest that they really have, it's our job to support the heck out of it. And just love them for who they are, not who you want them to be. Love them for who they are, because they're all going to be different. I have three daughters, and they're all amazingly different. Yes. I hear you. Um, the two daughters that I have are very, very different from one another. And as you said, you have to love them for who they are and understand them for who they are, because you can't parent both the same way. So each of you have been able to have memories and you've shared some right there but what would you say has been the most memorable experience that the two of you have been able to share throughout your life Cool. i'll let you go first i'm gonna take an easy route because i am a writer which is why my dad and i did this project together and i wrote a memoir piece about the first time i remember my dad crying which was a very significant moment for me and you know, I have so many great memories with my dad because he's the type of guy, one of the chapters in the book is just ask or there's no harm in asking because this guy has asked for things and like, we've got to meet Hanson when we were younger, like crazy things just because he asked. But my, I think most profound memory, I remember as a little girl writing him a birthday card and really putting like thought into it and making it really nice. And I wasn't gonna give him a present I wasn't going to give him a 50th tie. I wanted to just give him this card. And that night, he used to come into our room to do prayers with us. And I remember he came into my room and the lights were off. And he was like, he calls me CJ. CJ, can you, like, I want you to feel this. And he was crying and his face was wet. And he was like, there is no better gift you could give me than your words. And it was just this profound moment. And that was the moment where I never stopped writing. And to be vulnerable with me, it, it just stuck out to me for so long. Thank you for sharing it. The first thing that jumped in my head was her and I being on a wave runner in the Bahamas and tipping over with rough mm. waters. But I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> I, <laughs> that was scary. I, I will tell you this. And this was something recent because this is what I want to share with you. Courtney went to Lehigh University and she had a double major in economics in England. And at Lehigh, if you had a 3.75 GPA or higher, they would pay for you to stay for your master's degree. So she stayed and they paid for her master's of education. And she came to me and the kids she was graduating with and her friends were all going the financial route, you know, Wall Street, or they were going into consulting. And she came to me and she said to me, Dad, I think I, I want to be a lawyer. And Christopher, I'll share with you, you know, one of the things the book is based on is for the last 25 years, I've taken four college interns going into their senior year into my company for eight weeks in an internship program. And if they were going to spend eight weeks in my company, I felt I owed them some time. So I'd spend two hours a week with them 
It started off as Gene's life lessons, the things I wish I knew going into my senior year. And what came out of it were all these questions. And one of the things I want to tell you dads that are listening, a lot of these young people go into, they're very bright kids. They, they, they were all going into careers, engineering, law, a CPA. And when you would ask them, why are you going in that direction? Somebody very influential in their life, a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, a mentor, kind of pushed them in that direction saying you can make a, a good living going that direction. The unfortunate thing is how many of them would come back to me two years after doing it, Christopher, and hated what they were doing. So the message I want to send to your fathers is, listen, if your child has a passion, I don't care what that passion is. It could be starting a lawn cutting service. It could be creating video games. I think our responsibilities as dads is to is to back that support as much as we can. Hey, we can talk about plan B all we can, but why not let them go and pursue what they're really happy with? Because I think one of the goals in life for every human being is to find something you sincerely love doing and doing it well enough that you can make a living doing it. So to get back to the story with Courtney, two of these interns went to two of the best law schools in America, NYU and Boston College. Both graduated in the top 25% of their classes, okay? Both of them went to work for big law firms. Within two years, they came back, and they absolutely hated what they were doing, Christopher, the billable hours and, and everything. Courtney came to me and said, I think I want to go to law school. I haven't had this experience. I said to her, wait, time out, time out. Let's see if we can find a small boutique law firm, and we'll reach out. I'll help you write the email. And we'll tell them that you have a passion for this and you're willing to come in this summer and work for free. The key word is free, Christopher. If you're going to work for free, people will bring you in. So his partner brought her in and he was great. He exposed her to everything having to do with law, the research aspect, the administrative aspect. He took her into the courtroom five or six times. Well, at the end of that summer, she came to me and said, Dad, I don't want to be a lawyer. I've always had this passion about being a teacher, but I felt it was under me to pursue that. So to get back to your question, I helped her move out of the public school. Not under me. I thought I would be judged, honestly. And that memory of this conversation is one we talk about a lot because I was scared to tell him that I wanted to be a teacher. Like I knew it was in my heart, but I just felt like, are people going to know, like, what are they going to think of me? Are they going to think those who can't do teach? Is it, are they going to you know question my intellect? And I thought he was... You know, he's this big businessman. I could go into his business. I didn't know what his reaction would be. So a year ago, I'm helping him move out for the summer vacation. And we happened to stop in a Wawa in her town, Christopher. <laughs> and three of her students that she taught were working at the Wawa. And when I saw how these three students reacted to my daughter <laughs> and how happy they were to see her and how they were communicating with her, I walked out of that Wawa and I said to her, you're doing exactly what you should be doing in life. Is that the memory? That's the memory. That's the memory. That's the memory. That was a cute And I was so proud. That is a great memory. So you've hinted at the book a couple of times. So I want to, let's let's go back to the inception of this book, because I know, Courtney, you said you're a writer, but I'd love to hear the story behind this book, where it came from, why you chose to put the time, the effort, the blood, sweat, and tears into putting this together. So it comes from a couple of places. The interns that I would bring in kept asking me, can you write? Can you do it? Can you put this all in a book? Can you do this? Can you do that? And then my wife and I, we started a charity in 2008 
called the Plant a Seed Inspire a Dream Foundation, which takes kids from underserved communities that have a passion, but their families are going through some financial difficulties. We step in, Christopher, and we will find them the sensei. We'll find them the guitar teacher, the, the cheer coach, right? We've helped over 800 kids. Sometimes even puppetry. Yeah. Doesn't have to Every be Every kid has a different passion. And, and all the financial rewards in the book are going to the charity, by the way. So just, I just want you to know that. So I've gotten exposed to a lot of young people and how ill-prepared they were to start not only their professional careers, but their personal. Listen, I have, I've made a ton of mistakes in my life. If someone else can learn from some of my mistakes and maybe might smooth out some of the bumps in the road, I wanted to do that. So there's five sections to this. It's a life section. Then it goes into job search. It takes them through. If you have a passion, most of these young adults don't have a clue how to even pursue it, how to find it, how to get an internship. It, I take them through a roadmap and I identify whether it's real, how do you get interviews, and then how do you become a grandmaster of interviewing so you can win the job. Then it goes into career, how you have to show up. And, you know, and this millennial group, they show up one of two ways. Sometimes they show up and they think because I just got hired, right, you know, everything's taken care of. I have to explain to them, no, there's no elevator to success. you got to take the stairs. And what does that mean? And there's another group of them, Christopher, that are so focused, right? They're like workaholics that I have to explain to them, listen, you got to identify what your linchpin is, you know? What are those things you have to do every day, every week, every month to keep you, keep the wheel from falling off? So in the book, it goes into all those different things career-wise. Then it goes into, I've been very blessed that I've been able to create great wealth. You know, I came from nothing. And very simple things that people can do to maybe copy some of the things I've done. And then it goes into health and relationships. But I had recorded all of these chapters. I'm a communicator. I'm not a very good writer. My daughter is a phenomenal writer. And during COVID, we had an opportunity that she was going to stay home with her son. And we had some time together. And what came out of it was every chapter, as we started writing, she would write a Courtney comment at the end of all 68 of these tips. And the Courtney comments, I got to tell you, people love them. Absolutely love them. Sometimes she's giving me a hard time. Sometimes she's just checking my facts or whatever. But that's how it all came together. And it came out on Amazon. We were very surprised. We got a publisher and agent. It came out as, as the number one selling book worldwide for job interviewing skills. We didn't write it that way. The publishers wanted us to, but I said, that's not the book I want to write. And uh, it's funny because when my dad came to me about this project, as he said, I'm one of four. My three siblings are all connected in some way through their spouses or themselves to my dad's business. I'm like, in a way, the black sheep. And so for him to come and, and say, you know, I need you for a project, it, it, I felt really seen. That was really nice. And then he shared the project. And, you know, he this is he's a treasure trove of knowledge, but he's also a treasure trove of hearing stories five times in a row that aren't very interesting. So I was like, Dad, all right, you're going to send me these chapters and I'm listening to them. There was way more than 68. There was one even about flossing. And I'm like, I don't know if I can get on to this sign on to this project, I, I, you know. But there was enough in there that the writer and me could say, there is some great stuff. Let's sort through this. And 
we actually took a class together first about how to get published. And we went through that process. And it was so funny because my mom is super studious. My dad owned rock and roll clubs when he was younger. And I was like, I think I got the studious part from my mom. But this guy, we showed up for class every day. He had his notes out. He was so organized. I saw this other side to him. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a chip off the old block. But I was going to start off just as a ghostwriter. And then as the book started to develop, we realized in working with our literary agent that the two voices, the father, daughter, and also the two generations, me as the millennial being like, hey, like I get what you're going through. Like I can relate. This was a natural fit. And so the two voices just naturally came out. And I think that's what makes the book really special because each chapter is super digestible. It's like a two-page chapter a really short comment from me that kind of, you know, adds a little twist to it. And then you're on to the next tip and you can implement them right away. So hey, Christopher, let me share with you some of the things we've heard, right? So it came out three months ago. We got an email from a young man working in corporate America in New York. And he sent me an email and he said, you know, I just finished a 14 hour day. I stopped to get a bite to eat by myself in a restaurant. And as I'm finishing up my meal, I look up and there's an older man at the bar drinking a beer. And I just finished your book. And one of the tips in the book is talk to the oldest person in the room and how much value you can get out of that. And then it gives questions to ask just to get the conversation going. So he said to me, you know what? I just finished your book. Let me see if any of this stuff works. So I, I went up, sat next to the old man, ordered the beer, and I started asking him some of the questions in the book. I'm reaching out to you to tell you two and a half hours later, I left that bar and it was one of the best nights of my life. The gentleman he was talking to was a retired senior writer from the, from the Johnny Carson show, right? And I said, for Courtney and I, and I'll tell you one other story. I got an email from a, another a young man out of Seattle who's been living with this woman, right? He read the book, and he's going through, I guess he was getting some pressure from her about the next step. And he goes, I read the book, and there's a chapter in there on how my wife and I determined that we were right for each other, that this was something we had the same values and the foundation. And he goes, I read your book and I read that chapter and I'm just reaching out to tell you I'll be moving out shortly. You know? <laughs> so, but if someone can get a couple of tips out of it, that's why Courtney and I wrote it. If you can get something out of it. And even if you go to the website of the book, there's some chapters they can download for free, you know, if, if they want to just uh, look at some and of what, things. And what was crazy through the process of writing this together, you know, when we first talk before we started recording, I said, you know, I did almost a decade in public school. Now I'm at an independent Quaker school. It might sound similar. I'm still teaching. It's a world of difference. Writing the book with my dad made me realize that I had to follow my dreams more and work to be in align with my values. And it was really scary. I quit a job where I had tenure and a pension. And I said, I need to do life differently. And it gave me the push just through writing this and hearing these lessons again to change my life. No, it's great lessons. And I think that every one of us could learn from those things that you just said. And as you said at the beginning about raising daughters, no one typically writes down these things. You have to sometimes learn the hard way. So it's nice that you've been able to put some things down to help people in small ways in sometimes big ways, it sounds like, to be able to move the needle and help them to make some adjustments within their life that'll help them within their careers, their lives, and more. 
And Chris, I'll tell you, the audience can't see me, but I am completely bald. And all three of my daughters were teenagers at the same time. I had a full head of curly hair. By the time Courtney was out of the teenage years, she's the youngest, I lost every hair on my head. So I understand the challenges of being attached to the teenage daughters. I could be a mentor. Everyone wants to reach out to me. I can mentor. I've been through it all. So Courtney, he's he's saying that you made his hair just completely fall out. I would like to say that he said we're all very different, and I was the rule follower. So I take little responsibility for this. She had a sister. It was a little <laughs> bit more difficult, right? I love it dearly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Usually, Gene, this is just going to be for you, but actually, I'm going to have both of you answer these questions. First and foremost, Courtney, you get the first one, and then, Gene, you can follow it up. Courtney, in one word, what is fatherhood? I'm going to cheat. It's two words, but showing up. And Gene? Support. Now, Courtney, when is a time that you feel that your dad succeeded at being a father to a daughter? I will take you back in time to a moment where his three daughters were fighting over who got to put the hair tie in his ponytail. Um, and I think that if we all were fighting over who got to uh, be with dad, that that is a success, even if it's something as little as uh, making his ponytail and that old haircut he had. And Gene? I don't know if Courtney would agree with me, but this was the only time I ever did this with my daughters. A boy came over to see Courtney at the house. I disagree. Keep going. He walked in and I went to introduce myself and to shake his hands. And he wouldn't look me in the eye. And I tried to engage him in a conversation. And he kind of like brushed me off and walked downstairs to see Courtney. And I remember being in the kitchen of my house, Christopher, and saying to my wife, this just doesn't feel right to me. And I went downstairs and they were sitting on the couch in the basement. I sat right next to the, the young man. I forget his name. Was it Tyler or Dylan? Jordan, I think. And I said to him, look at me. And at first he wouldn't. I said, please look at me. And I said, this is my daughter, Courtney, and she is really, really important to me. And she is really, really special. And I want you to know if you treat her with respect, and he turns his head away from me. I said, no, look at me. If you treat her with respect, you and I will not have any issues whatsoever. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And he looked at me and I said, I want, I want acknowledgement. He shook his head. I went upstairs. And about five minutes later, he got up and he left and he never came back. And Courtney was mad at me. And I said to Courtney, if he was here for the right reasons, he would have, he would not, that would not have scared him away. Right. But out of all the boyfriends, Christopher, out of all the years, it was the only time I got that feeling. Right. Now, Courtney's going to tell you he went on to be a serial killer and he's now, no, no, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Right? <laughs> I guess it's okay for dads to be overprotective every once in a while. So, Courtney, how would you and your siblings describe your dad? One of a kind in a lot of ways. Now, Gene, who inspires you to be a better dad? My wife. Now, Courtney, you've heard your dad give some really good advice to other dads as we've been talking here today. What advice would you give to other dads? That you must validate their feelings, whatever they are. You might not agree with them. But girls, I mean, I think boys too, but girls, we have very big emotions. 
and we're going to feel what we are going to feel. And you can't stop that. And so validate it and hear it and just be there. And Jean, you've given a lot of piece of advice. What's one other piece of advice you want to leave with every dad? Here's what I'm going to share with them. Okay. And this is something that comes from a lot of experience, Christopher. In my executive search career, I've had the blessing to have placed over 1,000 C-level executives in jobs. I will tell you the ones that are most valuable to their boards, to their staff, to their company, are the ones that have both personal and professional success. And I tell all the dads, I mentioned this before, but I think one of the great things in life is to have purpose in your life and to pursue something that you're passionate about and figure out how to make a living doing it. And dads, I don't think we realize how much influence we have on that, okay? And if we have someone, every great dream begins with a dreamer. And if you and, and if your son, if your daughter is passionate about something, even though you're rolling your head because you don't think she'll ever be able to get a job, I want to encourage them, support it, because we can make a major difference, and that will make a major difference in your daughter's life. You know, she'll wake up in the morning. She'll, you know, she's not going to work. She's going to something she loves. My personal experience, Christopher. Your health is better. Your personal relationships are better. The glass isn't half full. It can be overflowing and it can change your life. Well, and as a dad, you need to do that for yourself too. And part of that personal success is prioritizing the family. I think a lot of dads think my job is to make the money so we're financially secure. And that is not your biggest role, in my opinion. And my dad always says as financially successful as he was in business, everyone knew what his date night was and when he was leaving the office at five o'clock. It was Wednesdays, right? And if there was a game, he was going to be there and you need to make time for that. Yeah. And Chris, the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll leave for your dads, right? And this is something I think it's important that they hear because some of them might be on the fence thinking about making a change. I was with a division of an international Fortune 100 firm. I got promoted five times in seven years. I was running all East Coast operations. It was the late 1980s, and I was well compensated, a six-figure executive. However, I was never home at night. Never. I was on a plane. I had a young family. My wife was home with the kids. We wanted something different. I pursued and looked and I found something that I, I wasn't making this move for financial reasons. I made this move because I wanted to be home at night. I knew my family needed me, right? And I'm telling you, what, what I didn't realize when I went into executive search is how much purpose it would give me in life and how much of a difference I felt I could make. I found that passion and that purpose, but I made that move. It was scary. And I'll tell you, I never look back. And I want your dads that are listening, if they're not home at night and they want to be home, they got to do everything they can to figure out how to be home with their family. Because that, when, when, when push comes to shove, that's going to be the thing the family will remember. So true. I mean, I tell dads all the time that when your kids are young, you get on the floor and you do what you can to be able to be there, be engaged and do whatever you can to, to be a part of their lives. You know, showing up at the games, like you just said, and being able to prioritize that, not only does it help you, but it shows your employees that is a priority and that it should be a priority for them as well. So you're modeling the way in many different ways. 
I really appreciate both of you being here today for sharing the journey that you have been on, for sharing your book with all of us as well. If people want to find out more about the book, about you, where's the best place for them to go? Absolutely. I would start at gradtogrownup.com. It's G-R-A-D-T-O and then grownup.com with no dash. And we're on Facebook for Grad to Grown Up and Instagram and my dad, Gene, and myself were both on LinkedIn. And any way you can connect with us, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. And Chris, the last thing I want to tell you, if any of your dads are listening and maybe financially they're going through a hard time and they would like to get this book, just send me an email and we'll send them a copy for free. Okay. If any of your dads have kids that maybe financially they're going through a tough time, you know, I read an article recently, 61% of the U.S. population is living paycheck to paycheck. If their daughter is passionate about something, whether it be karate, music, art, I don't care, and they don't have the funds to support that, go to our charity. Go to plantaseedfoundation.org and fill out an application, and my wife and I will review that, and we'll get back to them. Really appreciate that offer. Uh, make sure that people know where to find you and put that in the links today, and I wish you both the best. Thanks. You too. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more. You will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be